OSR October, episode 14, or I think it's 14, I'm in the car today, be choosy with your systems. The R in OSR stands for Renaissance. Other people who tell you other R's are wrong. That's their R. R is for wrong. The reason I say that, and the reason I'm so passionate about it, is because Renaissance is an accurate term to describe what happened between, say, the mid-2000s and the mid-20-teens when I showed up. Under the OGL, we had a boom, an explosion of TSR-compatible content. The spirit of the original game, which had been lost in the Watsi editions, especially after 4th edition came out, and humorously, uh, D&D lost market share as the leader among fantasy adventure games, the absence of that spirit, the absence of that uh, adventure, that paved the way for an absolute explosion in creativity. Crowdfunding uh, made creators who would never have been able to publish their material before able to publish their material drive-through or and other uh, PDF and uh, Lulu and print-on-demand. They made these products available. They allowed you to share material like never before and in some cases make a business out of it. Now, I have opinions on whether or not uh, OSR material should be free or paid. I won't go into that here. Then you had social networks. You have discords popping up. You had G Plus as the central hub. You had the blogosphere bouncing back and forth. You had communication that you never had before. In the days before the OGL, if you had those kind of communities, they could get a cease and desist notice. And whether that cease and desist notice was applicable or not, whether it was a uh, valid or not, it didn't matter. It was spooky. You, uh, you had a lot of people who took stuff down because they were too small to fight the fight that they shouldn't have had to. I forget the legal term for that, but that kind of bullying, could that was gone. And it was uh, a way for the community to blossom and to spread like never before. I came into this hobby via Wargaming. And as such, I have certain expectations and enjoyments out of the, the hobby that may not be the same as someone who came into it from a roleplay exclusive perspective. Now, there's a lot of talk in OSR circles about how Wargaming had, was the root of the game in that in the Great Lakes region, because there were so much uh, Wargame culture that was surrounding the people who got into the game, a lot of stuff went without saying, but then when it made its way to other places, to the West Coast uh, in particular, there was not that same culture, and so there were different assumptions. Now, that was in the 70s, but didn't I say the other day that my game experience started in the 90s? It did, and today there are people coming into the hobby from a wargaming background. There are people who will enjoy our hobby for the same reasons that I enjoy it because of the way that they, uh, the way that they play games. There are also people who are going to be coming into it for Theater Hour. More power to them. I don't know if the OSR is right for you, but more power to you. I want you to play the game that works for your table. And that's a really long way to say, pick a game 
that suits your table. I've had a couple call-ins expressing a similar concern, and that is, Taylor, you're talking about style. You're talking about uh, experience. If you're not talking about system, then I can do all of the stuff in this primer with Pathfinder. I can do all of the stuff that's in this primer with GURPS. Is GURPS OSR? And I'm having a big call-in episode at the end of the month. I'm planning to play all those calls at the end of the month, so look forward to that in a couple days. But you have to consider the context of the primer. The old school primer that I've been reading through this past month, it's from 2008, it's from 2009. It is a very early document as part of this movement. And so if the history of D&D can trace from being a wargamer subculture in the Great Lakes and then expanding nationwide by the end of the decade, so also the OSR can be described as a subculture within gaming that exploded and eventually made its way all the way to the ends of the earth. One of the byproducts of that explosion, you have a lot of people who are coming into the OSR new and they're coming into it without the history. When the primer was written, Osric, BFRPG, Labyrinth Lord, that was it. You either had your old AD&D books or you had your, you know, your BX set from 1982 Christmas, or you had one of these three red clones that were really close to the original material. The underlying assumption for this primer is that you're working with Swords and Wizardry, you're working with Osric, you're working with your TSR editions, because at the time it was written, those other games, the Knaves, the Maze Rats, the other indie games that don't share the mechanical fidelity to the TSR games, they didn't exist yet. And so this confusion of system wasn't a thing. The confusion of system is a result of people who are new to the movement, who haven't been exposed to TSR, who may not even have been born when TSR owned the rights to the game. They're coming into the movement. They enjoy the style of play. They enjoy the spirit of the game that's embodied by the OSR. And they're, in, they're more than welcome. I love that I'm seeing people who are younger than some of my t-shirts playing in some of my games. That's awesome. I'm going off on a tangent. The important part here is, yes, you can hit all of the spirit elements with a uh, non-OSR game, but OSR means more than that. What is the benefit of mechanical compatibility? When I first got disenfranchised with the uh, Watsi brand of D&D, I moved off into what I jokingly refer to as my wayward youth. I made a skill-based game. Uh, it kind of made some iterations as a dice pool. It made some iterations as a target number. And we had a lot of fun with that game. And we played it for a couple years, truthfully, before I went back to published, published systems. But one of the things that happened when I wrote that skill-based game, I had to go in and write a bestiary for it. I had to go in and write generators for it. How was I going to do the, uh, the setup? How was I going to do the monsters? Because that's a, uh, that's a thing. You can't run an adventure game without adventures, obviously. 
And all of that has to come from somewhere. Now, fast forward to the mid-20-teens when I found the OSR. I can grab the 1E monster manual and I can run those monsters in BX. I can grab the Fiend Folio and I can run those monsters in Swords and Wizardry. That compatibility means that even if there's some tweaking necessary, and I'm I'm really generous about my compatibility. Like you, you've heard me talk a little bit about DCC. I've played DCC and enjoy it. I I consider it OSR adjacent, but when I ran that game, I bolted on all of the missing pieces, our exploration procedures, the hex crawling stuff, the uh, dungeoneering turns, uh, some of the uh, encumbrance. I tacked all of that on from BX because that's what I had at the time and what I was familiar with, and it worked. Uh, I took the uh, I took the DCC that I was given, I bolted on the stuff that I thought would make it a complete game, and I was able to run a campaign in it that lasted over a year. The point being, I was able to do that because I was able to lean on history. I was able to lean on a tremendous wealth of material that had been produced over the last 50 years. You can grab uh, Monsters and Treasure, the second book of the original uh, LBB set, and you can take those elements and you can incorporate them into AD&D. You can incorporate them into second edition. You can incorporate them into BX or Beckme or Rule Cyclopedia. You can incorporate them into Axe. Even though there are minor differences, the core compatibility means that, and the core simplicity. Now, I say simplicity, not all OSR systems are simple. That's okay. But the core compatibility, the core emphasis on do they need stats, monsters only need stats when the stats come up. And so that kind of that kind of interplay between compatible editions means that I can pull stuff from anything to ESR and stuff it into this compatible edition. But Taylor, aren't you working on that uh, weapons, whips, and wizardry game that's supposed to be classless OSR? Yes, I am. And I'm really excited about it, and I'm going to try to take some time. I'm going on vacation later this month, and I'm going to try to take some time to finish that up, uh, or at least put it at least put it into a state where I want to throw it to my players and say, hey, let's play this for a bit and see. Uh, but um, that's still compatible. You, the, stat, the core stats are the same. The experience levels have been intentionally tailored to work with the OD&D experience levels, which are close enough to work with other uh, games. So you can take B2, Keep on the Borderlands, and you can run that in Weapons, Wits, and Wizardry with zero changes. There is there will be a little bit of difference in how it plays because of the chainmail aspect of it. Because 2d6 versus d20, there are rules for uh, an alternative where you roll d20s, but the bonuses will be a little different. So the, the experiences will be a little different, but at the core, you can run it no problem. Because you have all of that history, all of that material, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Weapons, Wits, and Wizardry is, compared to my skill-based game, it was called Barbute, if I remember correctly. Um, I think I have an ancient copy lying around here somewhere, but I'll put it up there one day so we can all chuckle at it. The important part, Barbute, I put a load 
of work into that to try to replicate all of the wealth of material that you need to run a campaign. With Weapons, Wits, and Wizardry, I don't have to. I'm already running pieces of it. I'm already playtesting pieces of it because I can lean on 40 years of history. So pick a game that suits your table. If you enjoy those kind of dungeon crawlers, pick a dungeon crawler. If you enjoy progressing from Brigand to Adventurer to Warband to Baron, pick a game that mechanically reinforces those themes. So can you conform to the spirit of the old school primer without an OSR game? Yes, you can. However, I hope I've conveyed in this sort of rambling ramble, if you pick a game that the core loop, the core principles, reinforce the elements of the game, gold for XP, you naturally want to delve dungeons and get gold. So there's a mechanical reinforcement for that aspect of tone. If you run games that reinforce the tone and maintain that compatibility, you have twofold a wealth of material to steal from and you don't have to worry about setting the tone because the game already does. That ramble didn't go exactly where I thought it was going to go, but hopefully folks find it useful. Hopefully folks can pick up on the excitement I have for the hobby, for the people coming into the hobby, and for the history the hobby can offer and that way that that history can build, the way that that history can explode and can make the future a more fantastic place than the past. Anyway, thanks for listening. Happy Halloween. Clear Square Ring Mail Podcast is an independently owned and operated product released for educational and informative purposes under the Totally Steal This license, which is kind of like Creative Commons, except f- licensing. Segments recorded within a vehicle are recorded using a Bluetooth hands-free device in conjunction with local vehicular safety legislation. Theme music for the Clear Square Ring Mail Podcast is Gold Coffee by Michael Ramirez C, retrieved from Mixkit.co and used under the Mixkit royalty-free music license. Sound effects used in the Clear Square Ring Mail Podcast are also retrieved from Mixkit.co and used in accordance with the Mixkit-free sound effects license. Clear Square Ring Mail does not ascribe to nor endorse views or opinions expressed by call-ins, guests, or even the host, unless you think they're awesome, and thus does not assume any liability regarding the consumption or distribution of this podcast. By listening to the Clear Square Ring Mail Podcast, you agree to these provided terms. Parties with questions regarding these terms, conditions, or releases are encouraged to reach out to Clear Square email at the prescribed methods provided on the Clear Square email blog. Parties dissatisfied with these terms, conditions, or releases are encouraged to go suck an egg.